Well, I am Catherine Welch, and I have been serving on the field for 13 years now. Uh, started, I've been, it's mostly in Asia. I did a short stint in Africa, but mostly between Thailand and China. And so I'm talking this morning about this survey, and it is a download, and I'll have to find out. At the end, I'll have, a, I'll have an email address of, of the guy who, um, who headed up this study. But basically, PRISM is, stands for the Patterns and Responses in Intercultural Service in Medicine. So basically, I'll tell you more about it, but this is a, this is a downloadable PDF, and I'll tell you how to get it at the end of the talk. Um, but basically, uh, okay, we'll get through the perfunctory stuff that we have learning objectives and that there's a disclosure statement that's saying, I have no financial relationships to disclose. My other disclosure statement is that there is a particular working group within the, uh, uh, the um, sorry, the Christian Medical Dental Association that had a commission to study uh, how, who are, what are, what do we think about um, long-term full-time medical missions. And so I was not, I was, a, I just responded to the survey. I was not a part of the working group. I had nothing to do with the survey. So, but they asked me to present this. Um, I guess they get the, I guess I'll get the brunt and the, uh, the comments and the, and the fire at the end. So, and also to note that everything that I present is from this. It's not my own opinion. It's not really the opinions of anybody else except that which is presented and quoted in this document. Okay, this is not at all my editorial about the information presented. The, everything I say has come from the text of this document or a quotation of one of the long-term medical missionaries that's quoted within this. So just, just so you know. Um, because there are there will be some controversial findings and some controversial statements here. It's meant to, it's really meant to make us think about what we're doing and how we can do it better and to think about the future. Um, so a little bit more about me. Like I said, I've served in Asia for 13 years. I'm a pediatrician and I have done anything from working in a Bush Mission Hospital, one of two doctors, just doing everything to working in teaching medical, um, teaching medicine in China to Chinese doctors to being a consultant on health and human trafficking. So I've done a lot of different things and identify a lot with what's being said here. But as I said, it's not my opinions at all. So what is this study? Um, the study was, this information was collected via online and print surveys, uh, and it was available for 13 months from 2010 to 2011. There were 300, almost 400 valid responses, and what they define medical missions as is long-term cross-cultural missionary service through medical work under the auspices of a Christian missionary organization. For example, they did not include uh, doctors or nurses who are Christian working in a purely secular context as, as tent makers, not sent, not sent particularly by a mission organization. Okay, and so it's not that they aren't 
missionaries in their own right. They just needed, they wanted the parameters, just people working with a mission organization, okay? Not to discount people working as tent makers as valid missionaries. That just wasn't the parameters of this particular study. And so you had to have a valid license in your home country, and it included pharmacists and nurses and other allied health uh, professions. You had to have spent more than two years of time living as an expatriate. And it, it included missionaries on home assignment. And you had to be officially associated with a Christian organization. And to make sure that the study uh, was understood, you had to have English proficiency. But there were... Um, but I'll go back. So, oh, so the respondents were citizens of 18 different countries, serving in 67 different countries. All right. Um, 50% of, I'll say we, uh, work in private mission and hospitals. 12.5% uh, work in government hospitals. About 50-50, male and female. And our average age is 43, uh, almost 44 years old. And so the point is that, back to this slide, is that, you know, medical missions has existed since the 14th century in the Catholic orders. And really the Protestants are rather late to the game in the seven, not having official missionaries it's until the 1770s. But that the questions that are posed in this particular study are not new at all. Um, but it really wasn't until the 20th century we began to ask questions. And I'm going to open, just give a, a quotation that could be as true today as it was in the, this was in 1952 at a church mission society annual meeting. And it said, missions have been largely content to ignore the need for a developing policy in their medical work, to launch new ventures with little reference to the lessons or the experience of fellow missionary societies, and to leave the conduct of medical affairs solely to the rank and file of what is, after all, a highly individualistic profession. It's perhaps more consistent and effective results would have been attained if, from the outset, mission boards had recognized medicine as a specialty and medical missions, therefore, as a specialty twice over, and had been willing to appoint specialists in medical mission strategy, strategy to advise, to advise them both on the medical and medical mission aspects of their work. And so I think that's as true today as it was more than 50 years ago in 1952. And so it's uh, one of the statements from the, from the studies that cross-cultural partners have always had to defend the validity of their medical practice as valid missionary work. Um, so back to who are we? And that was just a point from where they started. And it really prompted this survey in order to not generate answers so much as to generate more questions and better questions in order to understand our profession, in order to understand our specialty better, and in order to understand uh, how we can improve in the future and develop a better, more robust medical mission specialty in the future. And so our specialties, this is just some interesting demographic data, uh, from almost 400 participants is that you know, most people are in general medicine, but there's still a public health specialist, a dentist. We need more dentists out on the field, let me tell you. 
Uh, pharmacists are 0.3%, but I can tell you that they are very, very valuable where they serve. Um, but it's surprising that there are actually fewer than 1,000 doctors serving two or more years on the field. And there are approximately 1,000 nurses or other allied health professionals serving two or more years, so it's split. thought that was interesting. And how do we spend our time? Most of us are in direct medical care. Uh, the second most common way we spend our time is medical education, then community health and development work. We're also involved in leadership of healthcare facilities and building a local faith and medical fellowship. Workers in Asia, they looked at how we spend our time. And so workers in Asia spend the least time in clinical medicine, but missionaries in Africa work in clinical care somewhat more than the other regions. And so that kind of makes sense as you look at, and my time has been spent mostly in Asia, where some of the, the countries have developed their own uh, medical boards and being able to practice legally uh, within those countries. It's just a more robust medical system. And so being able to practice in full-time clinical care is a little bit more, well, let me say it's, it's more difficult in that when I have to get it boarded to practice in Thailand, I have to take the USMLE in the Thai language, for example. And so there's barriers like that that make clinical medicine <laughs> in certain countries more difficult. Not that they don't need doctors or aren't welcoming that. It's just by their right. They should expect doctors to be proficient in their language in their medical system. And so in Africa, their system and governance of medical care is not as robust, generally speaking. Um, so this is our work balance and our satisfaction of the work. So in South America and Asia, the, the report is that we're generally most satisfied with our work. And in Africa, there's most unsatisfied. And they also delineated the data between America and non-American missionaries because it tends to be a lot more, you know, there's a high percentage of Americans serving as full-time medical missionaries. And so they wanted to delineate, oh, the perceptions of American versus non-American missionaries. And so they expressed the same degree of satisfaction with the balance of medical and non-medical aspects of the work. So in Africa, they're most unsatisfied, not with their work, but they're unsatisfied with the balance of the work. That perhaps they're more overwhelmed with the clinical care and not as much time spent in discipleship or teaching or other ways. That it's a little bit mo more unbalanced towards clinical work. And that they tend to report more satisfaction with a balance between clinical and non-clinical care in South, South America and Asia. And so the more favorable the attitude of the local government towards the work of the missionary, the more satisfied uh, surveyed medical missionaries are with the balance of the medical and non-medical aspects of their work and with their role as a cross-cultural medical worker. And so if, you, if it's, you're always struggling uh, with having a legitimate role in your country um, or a legitimate role in your practice, then you're if you're struggling with that, then it's, you're less satisfied uh, with your environment, okay? Not necessarily with a balance, but with, if there's a lot of stress um, with your environment, then you're not as satisfied. One of the, there was a major section in this document about our mental health. 
And so regarding anxiety, about 50% of the respondents suffer significant levels of anxiety. Now this wasn't, there was no gradation, there was no diagnostic you know, terms of anxiety. It was just a self-reported on a scale of one to five, how anxious are you? You know, have you been over the last 12 months or in the last month? And so this wasn't any clinical diagnosis of anxiety. It was just self-reported levels of anxiety. And so in a, in a, um, in a, in an anonymous survey, 50% reported significant levels. In depression, about 30% of us suffer significant levels. And that depression and anxiety scores were strongly correlated. So it means if, if someone reported they were anxious, they were also likely to report they were also depressed and vice versa. Good question. That's, uh, you want to take that on as a research project? Yeah. Like I said, and I'll say this lots, many, many times, and every time you say, someone says, I don't want to put you off, but that's, these are the kinds of questions that this survey generates that hopefully will prompt further research and, and further um, evaluation of who we are and how we compare and how we can care better. Okay? That's a, that's a great question, and I look forward to seeing your study in a couple of years. So. <laughs> um, but they delineated about the, where we are practicing in our mental health. And so that anxiety and depression levels were somewhat higher among those serving in South America, Africa, and the Middle East. Now, we don't know why, really. It was just, this is just what the data shows. And that Americans were not more anxious or depressed than non-Americans and vice versa. And it didn't really correlate to the purpose of the work, whether you were doing clinical work or non-clinical work, or it was more related to, um, it didn't really relate to where you were, um, although in South America, Africa, and Middle East, it covers quite a bit, you know. So depression was related to worsened attitude to local health authorities. So that was related to, if you're in a stressful environment, remember the last slide about satisfaction, and your work environment, and that it related to the stress of not related to your purpose of your work or who you're working with, but if you had a lot of stress, if you were always trying to deal with the local health authorities, if they were breathing down your neck about the legality or giving you a lot of stress about opening this clinic or a lot of paperwork or bureaucracy or, or issues like that, then that tend to relate to higher levels of depression and lower levels of environment satisfaction. Does that make sense? Okay. We, they also surveyed our perceived need for medical missionaries. Like, what do the medical missionaries perceive the need for themselves on the field? And so about one half of us did not consider our host country to have less need of medical missionaries but that the, they had less need of missionaries in traditional medical roles, such as serving as doctors in mission hospitals. Okay, that would be your traditional role, set up a mission hospital, Christian hospital, in rural country or urban or wherever. And that, that we said that they perceived a less need for traditional roles, but that the overall need was not necessarily less, that we just had to think about newer, more creative roles. And I'll speak more to that when we deal with globalization and global health. But about one quarter 
of us perceive themselves as less needed in general. And that most had a perceived need for more training of doctors in medical education. So perceive more more training of the medical missionaries to be able to do better teach to be better teachers in medical education, to be better mentors and to be better disciplers in terms of Bible knowledge or discipling. And so just they wanted to serve, but they felt that the traditional roles or maybe the role in which they were sent to serve did not really, when they got to the field, they didn't really meet the true needs of the people as far as what they could perceive and see, but they were serving in this place because that's where their organization had them serving. Is that clear? So there was not a less need for them in general, but just that if they could have more freedom, and we'll talk more to this later, if they could have more freedom in defining their roles differently in less traditional models, that would be better. And so this goes to our organizational support. In fact, how, how are we perceiving our mission organization support of our work on the field? And so they thought that medical missions um, may benefit, should require, and would probably benefit from more specific direction from mission leadership. You know, per the quotation I read at the beginning, you know, how we perceive medical missions as a specialty in missions in general, as a subspecialty, if you will. So that the missionaries um, seem to function relatively autonomously in an organizations with inadequate strategy and leadership to utilize them well. For example, you may be, the organization send you to, you know, Zimbabwe, or they may send you to Jordan, or they may send you to work in Malaysia or Indonesia, and okay, that's fine, you do your medical mission thing, not much support. I mean, supporting in that, okay, they endorse what you're doing, but not much strategy or specific support for what you do, and that they kind of let them go and work autonomously. And so that was, that was how we feel about our organizations. And that the, the respondents also said that the medical missions in general needs to be valued for more than just opening opportunities for the gospel. Okay, we're not used to go support a church planting uh, mission, but that, it's, that medical missions is valuable in its own right, in its own way, for spreading the kingdom. And that it wasn't just, oh, and by the way, or you're sent as a doctor, but you're primarily a church planter, that kind of support. Um, but that we needed specific strategy development in specific medical missions. And so the medical workers, in their satisfaction with their support, you know, they're satisfied with their support when those organizations had the intention of creating sustainability in their work and has a clear strategy for medical missions. Oh, and this slide, the, the, these slides will be uploaded to the uh, website, by the way. So uh, I just haven't done it yet. And so this slide just reflects that when you're satisfied with your work, when you have your organization who's valuing you, not seeing you as an adjunct to church planning or an adjunct to their seminary work or an adjunct to something else, but that it was, they had a clear strategy for, okay, how do we use your skills as a medical profession for, to further the kingdom in your particular area of influence or your particular region of the country um, in 
working it within this medical school and being creative and actually developing a plan for sustainability as well. Because, and this was, this was really interesting statistic that nearly 40% of the respondents perceive that their organizations would prefer that they as individuals leave the medical part of their work. They did not feel, almost half, 40% felt that, you know, my organization could care less if I worked as a doctor or not, that they really were just interested in doing what they were doing, but it, the medical aspect of their work was not important to them. Um, and that Partners to Asia felt the most pressure from their organizations to leave the medical aspect of their work. That may be due. Remember what I said about them having more difficulty working in clinical work and that it, I'm not saying this, it may, you know, if you think about it, that if, if the partners in Africa are doing more traditional roles in clinical work and that the partners in Asia are doing more creative world, creative roles may be less understandable um, to mission organizations. Say if you're doing medical education or if you're supporting uh, foster care networks um, as a medical doctor, that these more creative roles for medical missionary are less understood by organizations that they would feel pressure to leave that work because it didn't fit an old, it didn't fit the old model of mission work as doing clinical work on the field or in a mission hospital. Does that make sense? And so this is really, really stunning um, that they didn't feel like they had their support and that they should just leave. But the missionaries felt like, well, that was part of, you know, this is how I want to serve. This is part of my gift. Um, but really are desperately wanting more support from their organization. And this is a quote from one of the respondents. It seems to me that mission-governing bodies without significant numbers of medical personnel don't seem to understand the needs of medical missionaries or the different paradigms we work under in evangelization, i.e., we should not be treated or utilized under the same paradigms as non-medical missionaries such as church planting. And that goes back to the quotation from 1952, that recognizing it as a subspecialty of missions. And so... Within this document, they rated top challenges for mission organizations, for medical missions in general, whether it be for the partners on the field or for the organizations. And the number one challenge was that there was really not enough qualified workers in the field. Okay? Challenges, there's not perceived, so the perceived need is that they're still needed, but they needed in different roles. And so the number two rated challenge was that there was poor cooperation with the local system, the local medical system, and that there was ineffective bureaucracy. And so that created a lot of stress for people on the field trying to do their work, but not able to do the work that they were called to do because of the ineffective bureaucracy or red tape or what have you. Number three challenge was not enough money or equipment for their work. Number four challenge was lack of a strategy to guide their work, i.e. from the organization or from the ministry partners themselves working together. The number five uh, top challenge was lack of support from my organization. And number six is there was no plan for sustainability. 
um, because it's difficult to pay for a lot of medical missions, as you know. Here are some specific comments from responders regarding the challengers. Uh, was that they, they suffered from lack of established role. So that goes back to the sustainability, the clarity, um, and support from their organization. That the services are not needed due to adequate number of physicians, as in, this was, this was, this comment, I'll elaborate, was specifically related to a place where they felt like there was enough local physicians and so that the traditional role of serving as a doctor in a clinical role was not as needed, but that they still needed to be able to train and to teach and develop the, the, local, num the local physicians. And so in that traditional service is not needed, but still needed for training. And that there is a poor community that is challenging for sustainability, and so that's the environment the poor, more community development to come alongside the medical work, to work in synergy, to develop the, the level of care and life in those, in those regions. Poor work ethic among the locals was a challenge that was cited, and lack of leadership in national institutions was also a specific challenge. Now, these aren't rated. These are just particular comments um, and struggles that people mentioned. Uh, related to the challenges, they, they asked um, the respondents as to the reasons for leaving medical work. And the top one was family or personal needs. And that the number two was interpersonal conflict. And so it's interesting that the first two are psycho, psychosocial in nature. Not necessarily pathologic. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Well, if you leave the field for, because your children are starting college and you want to get them going, or there's a lack of adequate schooling for your children, or your aging parents needs to care for, you know, those aren't bad reasons. But it just happens to be one of the most common reasons why people leave the field. But it is sad that interpersonal conflict is, is one of the, is the number two reason for leaving. And that might be between the foreign national, the partner on the field, and the, and the nationals, or might be difficulties among the team, or might be difficulty in resolving conflicts between the partner on the field and their mission organization. Um, 20 not, almost 22%, this I think on the list of why they leave, I think this was number four. And so almost 22% indicated the lack of fulfillment in their medical work as a reason for leaving. So... I believe number three, the number three reason was fulfilling a term. Okay, they signed up for four years, they did four years, and uh, they felt that that was done. So, more comments is that personal missionary funding to live, money towards projects and teams, but not towards living expenses, that their work wasn't valued, that you know, a lot of the individual churches were spending more money sending short-termers to the field, um, or that they, they, the donors wanted to fund specific, uh, particular projects, uh, but they didn't feel like they got support for their regular living expenses. It was difficult to raise money, um, and so that was a re that was difficult to stay on the field. And that a fatalism of the culture. You heard uh, Dr. Fickert talk last night. You know about you know the attitude, the fatalism, the animism. Uh, their culture makes it difficult to get them to live well and to live better. 
Um, there are intense forces of competition, not necessarily on the field, but, you know, there's all these turf wars with donors and trying to get money as if, you know, God didn't have the deepest pockets. Um, but that's a perceived notion of competition for work or for funds. And that's, you know, some cited that security issues in a hostile environment were huge issues and contributes to their stress. But on the other side, that this study also mentioned there were quite a few opportunities. You know, we had challenges, but there's opportunities and hope uh, for growth. And so the number one rated opportunities for medical missions was mentoring national like-minded medical workers. And in all Number two was training national health workers. And so the mentoring goes in, mentoring not just in their uh, professional sense, but also mentoring in discipleship and growing as whole people, as whole doctors to care for the whole person. And so training national health workers in their professional skills, whether it's physical therapy or dentistry or medicine, you know, these are the opportunities. These are, this is the direction where the respondents said we needed to go. And that using medicine to bring good news to people as a part of an integrated response, that it should not just be an adjunct to the church planters, but that there needs to be more synergy, more teamwork and development to say that this really is valued as a gospel mission in and of itself. And that meeting specific needs is still very much needed. You know, specific needs such as HIV AIDS, uh, developing mental health, training mental health counselors and specialists and psychiatrists, or, or being able, having more training in, in disaster relief. Um, as countries begin to get more developed, you know what we saw in the earthquake um, in China that was in Sichuan, um, that, you know, that there was a response, and then in response to a disaster like that, then China gets more uh, organized as far as their own disaster relief, and a lot of my colleagues in China were called up to serve and to train and to teach uh, in the midst of that crisis. And so that, that opened actually a lot of doors for our partners on the field. But then our partners on the field like, why we need, you know, they were seen as the experts, but they still felt inadequate to respond to these kinds of disasters. So that's an opportunity for training. And some of the highlights from the responders said that the biggest opportunity was considered to be mentoring or training national medical workers, and especially the Christians, to, and that improving their own ability, as in the medical missionaries, improving the medical missionaries' own ability to do training or mentoring was reported to be the greatest area of need for further training. And that direct medical care and leadership of medical facilities was also considered important ways to impact health as a way for evangelism, such as not just doing the work, but actually being able to work with the leaders, the national leaders of hospitals, the national leaders of uh, maybe a national health service or the public health um, the, the public health uh, ministry of a of a government, and so in ways to impact those and to work with nationals, come alongside them, not do it for them, but come alongside them, work with them, and train them are the primary uh, ways that we can think ahead. So this was uh, another quotation. Is it imperative? It is imperative that mission organizations employ a way of seeing the world 
that is more in line with how the countries of the world see themselves. It is time to create strategies and approaches by which medical missions operations can establish legitimacy and effectiveness. So that leads us into thinking about global health and the adaptations that medical missions needs to see and to think ahead in order to be more effective. And so it's working with the host national health system, the public health system, uh, the government hospitals, or a network of private hospitals, wherever you are, in medical education and strengthening the rural health care. We can be working in government hospitals or clinics and or ensuring compliance with local regulations. I mean, a lot of countries actually have laws and rules that govern uh, the operation of hospitals. Um, but if that's not enforced, then they'll continue to uh, not practice, but helping to ensure accountability uh, within the health system. Implementing new technology. The countries, they're so hungry to learn. I mean, just because they, they don't have a technology available doesn't mean they don't want it or are not interested in development. It's just they may have a machine and they may have a machine donated or that they've, they wanted to purchase it but really don't know how to use it to the best uh, that they can. And so implementing new technology, training them how to use it. Developing and employing uniform standards of diagnosis and care. You know, having standard, uh, standard protocols for how you deal with, you know, the clinical guidelines, if you will. And participating in research projects and helping them to develop their own. And so we can incorporate more evaluation and monitoring in their own systems and even on a regional or national level. These are, in, you know, in my experience, this is what national, uh, national doctors, um, minister, you know, ministers of health, they're, 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 more, they're very interested in doing it. But they're not interested in having us do it for them. Huh? Yeah, research or technology or, you know, whatever, or establishing clinical guidelines. Um, so thinking about adaptation, global health, thinking about the next generation, you guys are maybe going to the field. And so how can we think about doing more pre-field training? You know, one thing that's o that was said over and over, over in this study was that there's a more perceived need for training among the, the younger generation you know, training in disaster response or training in how to be better teachers of medical education. You know, could we do better at team building? You know, being, having, a more having a clearer strategy for integrating medical missions and, and other uh, goals of your mission organization for that area, country, or, or region. Being more flexible in creative roles in global health opportunities. You know, are, can you work as a clinic? You know, can you work as a clinician in a government hospital? Um, can you work in a, can you be a part of a, can you be on faculty of a medical school in another country? Um, how can we generate commitment among the younger generation? How can we develop role models for the newer workers? Uh, how can we be better at strategic planning, evaluation, and monitoring of our medical mission opportunities? And as I said before, medical missions needs to be valued for more than just opening opportunities for the gospel. And also, what we need to do better, um, and this is true for even the non-medical missionaries, but um, especially true for our medical partners, is that we must address mental health of long-term partners. You know, it's a given 
that we experience a fairly high level of stress, even though we demonstrate excellent coping skills and deny the intensity of distress. And, you know, medical, we're, we're really good at this. I mean, we've been through medical school after all, or nursing school, or, or whatever school. We, we've learned to cope, we've learned to adapt. Um, but it's still existing. And in my experience, you know, I just figure it, I'm just idling at 30% in another culture, because everything is different. Whether or not you, it registers on you, it's just more wear and tear on your psyche, your resilience, your coping. You know, you're just living at a higher level of stress. Um, and before I close, uh, just gonna add this about short-term missions. And so I know that's, you know, that's a big topic now. Um, Dr. Fickert talked yesterday about this. And that there's a way to do short-term missions well and a way not to do it well. But um, that 65%, almost two-thirds of the respondents of this survey uh, disagree that short-term missions has had a significant positive impact on the health situation for local people. And so, I, you know, like Dr. Ficker last night, I'm not against short-term missions. Um, but this is... Uh, like I said, this is just from the data of the study, is that we need to think about, we really need to think about doing short-term missions better in a more sustainable way, in a way that has actual positive impact. And so the reasons given why they don't, they don't agree with short-term missions is that there's a lot of wasted time and resources and that there's poor quality of medical work, that they just can just set up shop and they're not really as careful. They can just do slipshod medical work. They're not very careful. There's no plan for follow-up when you see patients. You know, if you diagnose with diabetes, you give them a, a month of insulin or, you know, what then? Um, lack of impact on a local ministry. And that, you know, as I mentioned, countries are, are establishing more robust uh, governance in their medical legal practice. And so that, you know, many times teams are practicing illegally in a country and that they're liable for malpractice or that they're in, their, in that country practicing illegally. Um, and so we have to be very careful. You know, some countries are more robust, some others are less so, but you have to, these are things you have to think about when you're planning a short-term medical trip. And so this was a quote um, from one of the respondents, I am not opposed to short-term teams, but I do feel like the pendulum has swung in a direction where churches and organizations are putting more funds on the team experience than on supporting full-time workers who are willing to make cross-cultural ministry their life and not just as an experience. I feel like the American church slash constituency needs to be educated on what exactly is best practice when it comes to relief slash development slash health care and models need to be promoted that follow best practice methods. And so I thought that was quite profound and that, you know, that short-term teams are, are, can be good, but they should not, the energies directed towards them should not take away from the energy of supporting full-time, long-term cross-cultural workers or the nationals that are serving full-time in very difficult situations. So um, there's some more questions. And so... I have a series of questions for us to think about, and I'll leave time for you, but just some questions for you to think about as you come away from here. And so how might we, 
how might we define and measure success in medical missions? You know, if we're going to evaluate um, our work, if we're going to move forward and define success, or if we're going to define a strategic plan, we need to know what success looks like and develop goals in order to achieve that. And so how do we address the mental health of long-term partners? You know, the sustainability of our life on the field and prevent our burnout. Short-term medical missions. Rigorous evaluation and monitoring is long overdue. What do host country partners, national churches and governments think about the role played by medical missionaries? Good question. Current medical missions is not sustainable financially. Should more competitive, for-profit medical models be promoted? And is the medical mission model too generous and perhaps out of step with global needs, as implied by books such as Easterly's The White Man's Burden? Um, so I don't have answers to these. Uh, I didn't say I was going to. Um, but... These are questions for you to take away, for us to think about in the future, like questions like how does our mental health compare with our peers in the States? And so we have a few questions, a few minutes, five or ten minutes for questions. Yes? Well, this is, uh, well, from my own experience with short-term teams, and, and what I've seen is that when there's a, so I'll give one, well, I'll give one example, where a church plant, and they, they want to move into a new area, and they want to establish a church, and they want to de develop rapport with a local community, and so they'll make it like a fair and they'll bring in a medical team and, and have, uh, you know, doctors there. And they might have something else offered. They might, like, do, like, some children's games. And they just make it like a little mini expo because they want to they wanna make it a big thing. But what happens is that it, it's sort of upside down because the church is not just about experience and having all your needs met and all this. And so then they start with a big thing. And then when you leave... And the, and the team goes away, and the vacation Bible school goes away, or whatever. And then you're just left with the daily grind of life, everyday life, and supporting each other, and working through the thick and thin. And so, I, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a missions expert or anything like that. I've just seen what I... It just seems a little backward that, you know, when you lead people to, to believe that church is, is just all about this, like a big, fair, fun... But then really church is about the day in daily life of living and growing and serving each other. And it's not about having others come in and just serve you. Does that make sense? And that there's an expectation that church will always be like, you know, fun or like giving and that they're, they're always on the receiving. That really church is about community and serving each other. Does that make sense? Not to say that 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 you know, a mission trip or having a team serving the needs of the community, the health needs of the community. But if you're, but if, you know, that's valuable. But if you're going to a new place and then you have a medical team go, then what is, how, how do you establish follow-up of the people that you're seeing? 
So if you have a community that you have established, even if it's small, but if you have established relationships in that community or village or slum, you know, let's not reserve this to a rural situation. But if you're doing outreach in an urban area, an unreached area in uh, Bangkok, for example, you know, when, when you have long-term partners there and you come in and that's you're supporting, you know, it's more of a supportive role um, where you're coming alongside, there is an opportunity for follow-up of the patients that you see. And maybe there's no long-term uh, medical worker in that area, but that, you know, they might be able to follow up, you know, every six months or something, and that there might be teams or, or there might be a, there might be, you know, medical missionary like serving in one area of the country and they continue to visit that place maybe quarterly or something or three times a year. And so it should be an adjunct or, or coming alongside a long-term work to support that and not, not as a startup. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes? How would you see using potentially a short-term psychologist in terms of medical teams? A short-term psychologist? I... Well, if you have, let's say there's one patient that's kind of critically and you, like, you're not really sure what's going on. Is it psychosis or is it psychosomatic? You know, maybe evaluation of a few patients that you're really not clear on what's going on. But I would say training, <laughs> training, training, training. Now, how much training can, can be done in, say, a three-day trip? I don't know. But if, if you can work it out where there, you go back repeatedly, and training lay people just in being able to do some effective, um, not saying psychiatric work, but just how to be a better listener, how to deal with someone's trauma, how, you know, just how to make people, how you can do like lay psychology or something. I mean, you can do a lot if you train people how to listen better. Does that make sense? No, training physicians or lay people or people interested, you know, I'm not sure. Does that make sense? I mean, you can, the physicians are also too busy, but that's why we need more people, like if there's a health worker in the community or maybe a church elder, you know, that can do some lay counseling, things like that. And you're not making a psychiatrist out of them. You're not going to train them to do, like, cognitive behavioral therapy, but at least you can... Effect, help them to effectively manage some of the crises that come up. Okay, yeah, you had a question. Uh, I'd like to thank you uh, for your talk today. This is really useful. Well, good. And I, this is downloadable. You email this Mark Strand. This is the working group. Like I said, I, this is not my work. I'm just the messenger here. So.
medical school here should establish a curriculum? Wow, that's a that's a really good question. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm the one to to answer that, um, but I def but definitely we need to think through these issues about okay, what is our how do we continue to redefine ourselves? How do we develop strategic plans for working in the world? I mean, it, it's it's all about global health and coming alongside. It's not just okay. We it's not just about it's it's being Jesus, you know. It's going and meeting needs around the world. How do we do that with a kingdom mindset, with kingdom hearts, and coming alongside people in doing it in a very constructive way that points people to Jesus, but not necessarily doing it like with this missions, you know, evangelism, discipleship. Not necessarily. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but just really taking it all together. I don't know, but. There's working, I'm sure, you know, there's working groups and people working on this. You can ask Mark because he does a lot of, he does a lot of thinking about this. These people are very, they're a lot more connected than I am. Yes? Um, similar question that you may not know. I mean, is there, has there been any thought about, I don't know, creating some sort of, because like for, for churches, there are, um, you know, financial organizations that will, sort, you know, and charities. There are third parties that will look at your finances and say, um, yes, this is, you know, appropriate and you're transparent and accountable, or no, your charity is a disaster and um, don't give any money to these people. Um, is there any thought of, of having, because, you know, there's no way to actually regulate <laughs> right. um, trips that go, and medical mission, I don't know what size medical missions trips um, or missionaries have um, relative to short-term trips in general, um, but I imagine they're probably not the majority of short-term trips. Period. So I'm, I'm almost I'm wondering if there's some kind of um, uh, either sub, you know, either like a third party that you sort of submit your plans to and say, it, and it would be hard to do this because. You'd have to do it quick, you know, relatively quickly, and you know, add more cost. Um, you know, some some sort of like the official, you know, the, the missionary sustainability um, accountability group has, you know, looked at your plans and thinks that it's reasonable. You know, some some kind of. Can you define your question a little bit okay. more? Is, is there any thought of, of creating a, not just sort of best practices that you know you? That's sort of an accreditation, yeah, like, an like accreditation. an accreditation standard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that would be difficult. But I think there's some good points, you know, to be made when you're deciding, you know, should you go on this trip or should you make the trip at all? And a lot of trips are, are formed out of personal relationship. You know, one church or one body or one hospital, and they have a relationship with this school or this church or somewhere in Africa. And it, uh, for long term. I mean, that, that, you know, you're, you're yeah, then you're working with an agency, you know, right. but then, you know, you just questions that you need to ask of an agency you're thinking about joining. It's like, well, can I, you know, how is it with medical missions or can I speak with uh, your partners on the field, things like that? Um, well, I guess the thought is not, you know, I think most people who care about this thing will be asking questions of their agency and their partners. The accreditation system would really be more to try to prevent unsustainable long-term missionaries from... Yeah, that's...
investing. Good. Money, you know, yeah. Well, that's not. That's not. Oh, I can tell you that's not developed right now. Yes. I'm assuming that when you did the interview, you knew like the organization that the respondents were working with. I I don't believe that was asked. With whom? I'm not sure. But that's not in the. They didn't. There's no. If it was asked, it's not reported. They didn't say. The, these people are from team. These people are from yeah. you know I mean, I guess whatever. Like, obviously, we're Christians. We don't want to gossip. We don't want to speak ill of organizations. But also, if you're looking to serve full time, well, to know with the people who said I can't remember by their organizations, that 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 data is that data wasn't report. I don't I don't believe it was asked. Okay. That I don't believe it was asked. Well, if it was asked, it was just used to weed out people who are valid respondents. But not reported. But there's okay. not like a, like the best the, no. the, or, the organization. No. 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 Any other questions? Well, the thing is, I don't know that any one organization is meeting all of them. Any. It, well, I don't know. No, I mean, I think, but what requirements? I mean, like there is no like standard, but you know you. It, there are organizations that are thinking of what what I would recommend if you're thinking about an organization, make sure you they they give you access to partners on the field. Because one organization may send may send partners to different areas of the field, areas of the world, I'm sorry. And so that their support in in India may be may look different than their support in another area or because of like I said people living in different countries because it wasn't just about the organization it also had a lot to do with their local environment as to what they were able to do and not able to do and or how clear the strategy was so i'm not saying that there's there are no great organizations there are lots of them but that some organizations working in different areas it may look different and feel differently does that make sense okay so but there are some organizations with more experience with medical missions than others. And so you might want to look at those. And, but, you know, if you're thinking about going, make sure you talk with partners on the field, especially in the area where you want to go. I think that's really important. Um, any other? I'll let you go. I'll be available. I'm, I'm speaking the next, uh, in the next hour, so, but I'm around for just a little bit.